Week 19, sing it again. If you have your Bibles, we'll be in 2 Samuel chapter 22. We've gone over this life of David, and we're at a place where David um, has taken the throne back. He has restored order. We saw last week that, and the week before that he took care of a famine that had come on through the years by, by dealing with some broken covenants. And last week we talked about a message about how he left a legacy that he started as the only boy who was a shepherd who would challenge Goliath because the entire nation of Israel ran from the taunts of a giant. And now at the end of David's life, David's an old man in the corner and he can't fight anymore, but now he has raised up a legacy, an army, a, a group of people who are now giant slayers. And we see that the people he raised up took care of all the giants for him and they said, David, we got your back. And David is at the end of his life. He's in his old age. He, he literally... Uh, cannot fight, um, he starts to sing a song of praise in the next chapter of 2 Samuel. And I want to read verse 1 to start it out in 2 Samuel 22. It says, David sang this song to the Lord on the day the Lord rescued him from all his enemies and from Saul. The song of praise we read about in this chapter tonight of David's life is actually pretty much the same psalm recorded in Psalm 18. Matter of fact, if you were to go back in your personal time, which I know you all do, when you go home, you open your Bibles and you study. We go to Psalm 18, and we see almost line for line, it's the exact same song. And actually, if you read Psalm 18, the title of the psalm is actually the first verse of this chapter. The first verse says, David sang this song to the Lord on the day the Lord rescued him from his enemies and from Saul. David, at the end of his life, is about to sing a song that he wrote years and years, maybe even 50 years ago in his youth, while he was going through all these battles and taking care of enemies and Saul getting out of his reign as king. Uh, we read in the scripture that David sang this song on the day that God rescued him from all of his enemies and from Saul. Remember, King Saul is the one that David would replace. King Saul was someone in step with God, but he went away, and God said, I've got to find someone else, and he found David, because David, not because he was a great warrior yet, not because he was a great king yet, because David was simply a man after his heart. And we see that David's been in training. Back in the day, David was training by keep taking care of sheep. When he took care of sheep, he had to learn how to fight. Uh, lions and, and bears with his bare hands. And I think it's important to say that before we get into the scripture because we get it wrong sometimes thinking that David was preparing to become king. But David was not preparing to become king. He was simply doing the best job he could in his current season. He had no idea that being the king of the nation was even something on his radar. He was simply doing the best he could in the situation he had managing it the best he had, unknowingly learning the skills he would need to become a great warrior and a great king. And there's so many times we, we kind of look to the future and say, God's going to take me here and God's going to do this. And I think sometimes we got to remember that God has you in a current place for a reason. And until you manage that to the best of your ability, you have no place to walk into your destiny. And we always want what's next, not managing what's now. Well, David 
went through what he needed to go through. He became the king. And then he took everything from Saul. All his enemies were killed. And David wrote a song. And now 50 years later, David is singing it again. He's looking back, reviewing his history, and how he overcame and how his character was developed. And I don't know if tonight's message is going to be as long as it usually is, but I think that there's going to be some powerful things in here tonight, so I want you to catch them. David is singing a song again that he wrote in his youth, and now he's singing it at the end of his life. And as I was pondering that verse, a very popular scripture came to my mind, and I want to read it to you, and it's Psalm 96, verse 1. Sing a new song to the Lord. Let the whole earth sing to the Lord. Sing a new song. And every time I've heard this scripture preached, I usually hear it preached the same way. I was actually listening to one of my favorite preachers today. I'm not going to tell you his name because I don't want you to judge me. Um, but <laughs> I was listening to one of my favorite preachers talking about praise, and, and he was talking about singing a new song, and, and he was preaching it the same way as everyone always does. you got to sing a new song. That means we got to write new stuff and we got to press forward and we got to get away from hymns and we got to get to new stuff. And, and that's how everyone usually preaches it. But what if we've gotten that wrong? Because I don't know about you, but I love new stuff. Like if you haven't realized it, Relentless by now, we always press forward to newer things. I like that. But there are some moments in my personal time where I got to turn on an oldie to get in the presence. And for, for me, I have different versions of oldies. Maybe for some of you it was when you were a kid, and I'm sorry, but I'm young still, so maybe I wasn't even alive when it was new for you. But, like, I love sometimes to just get on, like, turn the radio on to shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And, and sometimes I like to put on an old hymn. I couldn't tell you what one was I like right now, but sometimes... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sometimes I, I, I love listening to nothing but the blood. I love listening to come thou fount of every blessing. I, and you wouldn't think about that with, with me when you, you see me and know me because I just I try to do newer things. But there's some power in some old things. And I think sometimes we always equate tradition with religion. But tradition is not religion. Making the tradition your God is the religion. There, there's a lot of things in the Jewish culture that the Bible calls us to do, but we don't do it because we feel like it's traditional and old. And God's like, sometimes the things I have set for you as tradition is a great thing if you would just do something new to it. And but, 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 but when we say do something new to it, we always think of new sounds and new rhythms and new strategies. But I was, I was looking into that word when it sings, sing to the Lord a new song. That word new actually means this. A freshness. So it's not seeing a literal new song. It's bringing freshness to your praise. And sometimes we can get in the monotony of patterns. And we just do it because we're supposed to do it. You know, we give because we're supposed to give. But, but the Lord says, actually, bring your offerings with a joyous praise. And if you don't have the joyous praise, please don't even bring it. But see, preachers don't want to say that because we're scared we're going to lose money. <laughs> but it, it, it's, it's there. It's sing a new song. Bring a freshness. Bring a fresh thing 
to an old thing. You, you know, for some of us, we sing some of these songs all the time. And sometimes when the song comes on, sometimes our mindset is, here we go again. <laughs> and we're like, oh, i got to sing this again. But, 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 but God, sing a new song. And David, years in his, in his latter years when he's an older gentleman, he is bringing a new song, a, a fresh thing to a song he wrote 50 years ago. A fresh way saying, God, here is a genuine praise for the same thing I gave you back then. And I thought it was appropriate that as we close out 2019, that we remember that sometimes it's okay to sing it again. Sometimes it's okay to give God praise again for a thing he's already done. Because a lot of times what we want to do is praise God for the thing to come. And that's where you get into the bad theology of name it and claim it. You know, we're taught if you say it, you get it. That's not what the Bible says. It says when you speak things in the name of God. In other words, he says when you speak things from what I have given you to speak, not just what you want. So, is it okay? Is this okay? So when, he, when it's singing again, bringing a fresh thing to an old thing, sometimes instead of trying to sing something new to get, sometimes it's, it's better and more powerful, and we're going to dive into this tonight, to remember what he did and start singing that song again. You know what, God? You did it before. You'll do it again. You know what, God? I've seen you give me victory in this before, and I'm going to sing it again. Because if you did it once, you'll do it again. If you gave me victory, I'll get victory again. Because we read in the scripture tonight that we are the people of God. And God's people do not fail. And God's people do not lose. We are above. We are not beneath. We trample on the heads of snakes and scorpions. We are people who are supposed to be above walking in our authority. And sometimes to do that, we've got to bring a fresh sound to an old song. And I really want to define what freshness is tonight. This is, this is interesting, isn't it? I love preparing this. This was so cool. And the Bible talks about praise being a weapon. In 2 Chronicles 20 22, it says, At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting amongst themselves. Praise is a weapon. At this point, when they started praising God, their enemies started fighting each other instead of them. In Acts 16, 25-26, we, we read this all the time. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake like the one going on in our kids right now, and the prison, <laughs> and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prison fell off, all because they were simply praising God. And it's not like there were a bunch of new songwriters back then. They were just singing what they knew to sing. And maybe it wasn't even a good song. You know, like I always picture Paul and Silas like singing like, you know, glory, glory, hallelujah, like, or something with some melody. I can imagine that Paul, I never read one scripture about the giftings of Paul and Silas as musicians. It probably sounded really bad, like some of the singing in this room tonight. It, 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 like, like there probably wasn't any rhythm to it. They were probably just like, like praise you, Jesus. Like I don't like, but in like another language because they didn't speak English. But that, that they were like it was probably not a great song, but they were just God. Here it is, 
and there was earthquakes and prisons shaken and doors flew open and chains fell off. In Psalm 143, 3 through 6, it says this. My enemy has chased me. He has knocked me to the ground and forces me to live in darkness like those in the grave. How many of you ever been there? I'm losing all hope. Anybody ever been there? I'm paralyzed with fear. So look what he says. I remember the days of old. I ponder all your great works and think about what you have done. And people always teach us to focus on what he's going to do. But this is saying, focus on what you have done. I lift my hands to you in prayer. I thirst for you as parched and thirst for rain. He says, when you're in a place where you are parched and thirsty, when you're in need, when you're not to the ground, when you're consumed in darkness, like death, losing hope, full of fear, remember. Remember what God's done. He remembers. Because sometimes in the middle of a battle, to be honest with you, it's hard to write or express a new thing. I don't know about you, but like when I'm in the middle of like deep warfare, I don't go search necessarily always searching for a new song. Sometimes I do. You know, sometimes I'll type in new songs and wonder, but sometimes when I'm in my deepest like fight and I feel like I'm losing all hope and pastors do that. I'm a human. Sometimes I lose hope a little bit. I don't go looking for a new thing. I look back to the thing that I listen to every single time that gets me above. Whether it be a sermon or whether it be a certain song or whether it be just reading a certain story in the Bible, I usually try to go back to something that I know works. He says, when you're in those places, sometimes the best thing to do is bring a freshness to something that's already been so it becomes a reality for your now. You know, like, I, you, you can read stories like, it's hot in here. <laughs> can one of y'all turn that air down to like 64? Um, <laughs> thank you, anyone. You know, so, sometimes I like to go and read the story of the Battle of Jericho. And remember that if the walls came down then, they can come down now. Sometimes I like to go read about Peter slicing dude's ears off and Jesus is saying, you good, man. You know, it's, it's going to be fine. Because it kind of gives me some peace in my temper tantrum sometimes. And God's like, hey, you know, like I want you to get out of it, but read the story to remember that you can and if you've never seen me in a temper tantrum, don't come help me do anything physical. <laughs> we all get there. But sometimes we've got to be in a fresh, a fresh thing to something that's been. So we're going to look at the song that David sang tonight. Look at verse 2. Again, he's already sang this song once. And he's singing it again. Verse 2, he's saying, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. And remember, he's singing this. So it's like, he is my refuge, my savior, the one who saves me from violence. I called on the Lord who was worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. That's pretty good one. Mm. Mm. Look at what he sings. He's like, 
God, you're my rock, you're my fortress, you're my savior. I find protection in you. You're the one who saves me from violence. You know, when he's saying this before, he was just delivered from Saul and some enemies. But since then, it's Goliath, it's Saul, it's his own backsliding, it's other enemies of Israel, it's Absalom, his own son. It's Sheba, it's sinful passions that he fell victim to, it's famine. He's singing an old thing, but bringing a freshness to his current circumstances. Because back then when he got victory, he remembered, you're my protector, you're my fortress, you're my savior, you're my rock. And now that he's experienced this all again, who knows what he could be thinking now that he can't fight. David's not the one with the sword anymore. His people are. So what does he do? I'm going to sing it again. You're my fortress. You're my savior. You're my protection. You save me from violence. And what is powerful about singing again is, we, is when we see God for who he is. Because when you start to sing an old song and bring a freshness to it, you start to get a perspective and a vision and your trust and your hope that's been lost starts to build up again. And sometimes your faith will hinge on bringing the knowledge of what he already did to the forefront of your mind by starting to sing it again. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes when life comes at me, I, I forget how big he is and I make the thing bigger. Whether it's a job loss or a financial situation or a relationship thing or whatever, an addiction, a fall, a sinful habit, we tend to make that thing bigger and say, I'll never be able to get out of it. I'll never be able to get through this. This is bigger this time. And David's like, let me show you how to do that. Go back to the last time and start singing that song again. Because when I lose it and I'm failing, I'll start to sing, you've delivered me, you are, you're this, you're my rock, you're my, you're my fortress, you're my savior, you protect me. And then when you start singing that old thing, a freshness comes alive in you and it becomes more real than before. And before you know it, you're singing a song of victory over the thing that you're scared to death of. All because you bring a freshness to an old song. Is this helping anybody? Look at verses 5 through 7. Look what he sings. The waves of death overwhelmed me. Floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death laid a trap in my path. How many of you had that in 2019? But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I cried to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary, and my cry reached his ears. You know what David remember? He says, it may look like I'm surrounded. But I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded. But I'm, he remembered that song. He was on the edge of ruin and he cried out and he heard and it says, my God in heaven heard my cry from his sanctuary. And sometimes when you remember that he heard you before, your faith will increase and you'll have more belief that he'll hear you this time. Because sometimes what we do in our human nature is we think because we have sinned and gone that much deeper in transgression, then we're separated from God and God no longer hears our cry. And we think this time 
God's not going to answer it. But David says, no, 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 no. Don't sing that song. If you don't have a new song to sing about his faithfulness, you need to sing that old song. He heard me before. You had that moment in your life where he answered that prayer that you thought would never get answered. David says, remember, he, he, he hears you from his courts. You know, we, we always paint this picture that God is so far away. But everything in this word says he's right here. You know, my Bible says a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years like a day. We have no concept of where heaven is. Stop looking up to the sky thinking heaven's up there. It could be in our midst and we are just supposed to change our view of what it looks like. Heaven to earth. Thy kingdom come, they will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What if it's a lot closer than we realize? Because my Bible says that I'm the rock of the temple where he dwells. So if we, the church, are the dwelling place, why do we paint a picture that heaven is so far off? Why do we wait to die to get to heaven when really we're supposed to be walking in heaven right now? And when you get that perspective, you start to change your view a little bit and think, wait a minute, it's not so far gone that he hears me because he's not in some galaxy far, far away. He's, he, <laughs> he's here. He's here. He is, the king is among us. His glory surrounds us. Sometimes we got to sing that song again. Sometimes we got to remember it's, it's he, he, I'm not too far from God. Nothing, nothing is going to change that reality for me. He will hear me. And then look at what he sings in verse 8. The earth quaked and trembled. The foundations of the heavens shook. They quaked because of his anger. This scripture just said God got angry. That gives me a lot of peace. You know, we, we love to talk about the love of God, but no one likes to talk about the wrath of God. Like, let, let's get real. He got so angry, he, he, he's like, I'm going to destroy a city. And by the way, woman, if you look behind, you're going to turn into a pillar of salt. And it happened. Like, let's get real about the wrath of God. I'm tired of these people. Noah built a boat so I'm about to flood this place. And by the way, I'm not going to flood it again. And we always focus on that promise, but we don't focus on the other promise. But I'm going to destroy it again. Like, let's get real about the wrath of God. But, what, but look at the wrath, though. Every time his wrath is blanketed in a, in, in, in a view of protection. He destroyed the earth and said, I want to save you. He destroyed the town. I want to save you. I'm going to destroy the earth again, so I'm going to send my son so that I can save you. And David is singing that song again because he realizes, my God is angry for, on my behalf. <sighs> Smoke poured from his nostrils. Fierce flames leaped from his mouth. Let me just say something. Satan didn't create fire. God did. Fire is not Satan's. It's God's. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Glowing coals blazed forth from him. He opened the heavens, came down. Dark storm clouds were beneath his feet. Mounted on a mighty angelic being, he flew, soaring on the wings of the wind. As David remembers, he sings the truth about his God. My God takes action quickly on my behalf. It says he soared like the wind. When he heard my prayers. 
he, he's not slow. That's why he says a day may seem like a thousand, a thousand seems to a day. All of God's timing is speedy because he knows what is great about the time. He knows when you need it. He knows when to come. So if you're asking for something now that may come in 20 years, to him that was quick because he knew what you had to do in 20 years. But when it doesn't come in 20 minutes, you think God didn't hear you. But what if God heard you and he started giving you steps for 20 years so that you could bring something from the heavenlies into the earth? Because all the treasures are stored in heaven. And he says, they're for you. And it, made, it, it took Moses 40 years and he still didn't get into the promised land. When Moses died, let me tell you how Moses died. He went on a walk with God. God came back. Moses didn't. And then when he said, Joshua, you get the charge, you know how long it took him to take him to the promised land? Three days. Because they were wandering around in about 10 miles of turf for 40 years. What if the answer did come in 20 minutes, but it took you 20 years because you didn't walk in step? And your excuse is, God didn't hear me. No, 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 no. You need to sing it again. He heard you. And he came quickly, like, like, like the wind, like soaring on the wind. And he loves you so much and cares about you so much that he will rise up from his throne, meet your needs quickly with a fierce degree of passion. And sometimes you've got to sing that song again. And remember, he came quickly as a response. And some of us are simply waiting when we need to start singing again. And look what he said next in verse 12. He shrouded himself in, dark, shrouded himself in darkness, Veiling his approach with dense rain clouds. A great brightness shone around him and burning coals blazed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot arrows, scattered his enemies, his lightning flashed, and they were confused. And then at the command of the Lord, at the blast of his breath, the bottom of the sea could be seen. The foundations of the earth were laid bare. He reached down from heaven and rescued me and drew me out of deep waters. You are not in too deep because his arm is not that short. He rescued me from my powerful enemies. There is nothing too big for God to handle. From those who hated me and were too strong for me. Maybe you need to start singing that song. God, it's too much for me to handle. I need you to step in on my behalf. Because God responds to a humble servant. What is humble? God, this one is too big for me. Because some things you can handle without calling on God. Whoa. <laughs> like, you don't need God to pay your bills on time. You need better management. You don't need God to lose weight. You need to stop eating certain things. It's, it stinks, but it's true. Like, I, like, like, like sometimes there are things you can do that God doesn't need to intervene for, but sometimes it's too big. Like, some, like, like what, what, what if you're in a place on the other side of that where you don't have the motivation? And God, God I, this, is too, this is too much for me. I need you. David's singing this song again. Because remember where he's at. He's too weak to fight his own battles. 
He's having to depend on others when he's been leading them the whole time. This is a whole new game for David. He's been leading people through example his entire life, and now he's having to sit back up in his cedar palace and trust these people to do his job. Can you imagine how tough that is for him? That's tough for me sometimes to where we're going with Relentless. It's, it's tough for me to, to let go a little bit. Because anyone that knows me, I believe that everything should be done to the Lord in excellence. And if, if you leave this place dirty, how dare I let you lead again without me being there? And it seems like, well, that's just ridiculous, Kyle, but I, I, I look at everything we do to God as it should be done with 100% of our ability. And I don't want this house to represent God in any way but good. David's there. And look what he's saying. He's like, man, you rescued me. You reached down. They attacked me at a moment when I was in distress, verse 19, but the Lord supported me. And he led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. He gave all credit to God. And look at the beginning. It says, remember, you don't have to throw it back up there, Leah, but it says that he shrouded himself in darkness, approached with dense rain, brightness shone around him, blazing coals burn. You know, you know what that's called? That's strategy. God just didn't say, here I am. It says he shrouded himself in darkness, veiling his approach with dense rain clouds. Think about Jesus. When he came on the scene, the first part of his ministry, he was like, hey, I know I just healed you, but don't tell anybody about it. Strategy. Like, like think, he waited till he was around 30 to begin his ministry. He bailed himself. Strategy. He, he, he told people to not boast in what you do. And David's giving him all credit. He's like, I'm going to give you praise for the strategy because I would have never been able to done this. I wouldn't have been able to go on from like shoveling sheep poop to killing armies and gaining territories and bringing unity to 12 tribes. God, you get credit for that. I give you credit to the power in your voice. Because all I heard was I'm not worthy, but you wouldn't shut up through the prophet who told me, suck it up, you're the new king. <laughs> David's remembering all this. The support from the Lord to renew his strength, the rescue, the deliverance from all the situations. And in the midst of all this, he brings freshness to the old song with what he said in... Verse 20. Can you throw that verse 20 back up again real quick? He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. You know what Psalm 147 says in 10 through 11? It says, God takes no pleasure in the strength of a horse or in human might. No, the Lord's delight is in those who fear him and those who put their hope in his unfailing love. You know why David's singing it again? Because he's realized God's taking delight in those who depend on him and depend on what he can do. David's singing it again because he's realizing it's not just that God did it, it's the reason God did it, because God took delight in me.
And the reason God took delight in me, because I never boasted about what I could do. And I never boasted about my strategy. I never boasted about my skills. I gave it all to God. He gets the credit. He is the reason. He delights in me. And the scripture says when he delights in us, he rescues us. What if the reason we haven't been rescued from a battle is because you haven't taken on the character that God delights in? Because when we go through a battle, we're so quick to find the answer when the answer could simply be in what is your character? And anyone who knows me, I'm very humble to do this. When, I, when something happens, and the Bible says the oil flows from the head down. So when something goes on and relentless, that's not exactly great. I don't, the first thing I look to is not the people or the issue. The first thing I do is say, God, is there something in me that, that my character needs to be realigned with you? Because if you take delight in my character, this is done. And usually I find something, and I correct it, and the problem solved. Let me speak to the fathers in the room. God has given you the authority over your households. Whether the women like that or not, that is scripture. It is not, it's not a biased thing. It is not a putting down thing. The women have an authority, and the men have the authority. You are on an equal plane with different lanes of authority. Okay? One's not above the other. There's a different level and weight of authority. So fathers, when stuff goes wrong in your family, stop pointing as to who's doing what, and there may be a time for that. But the first thing you need to do is say, God, show me where my character is. Because it says he rescues those who he takes delight in. And the oil flows from your head down. Just okay? And the freshness to an old song could be what we're about to see in the next few verses. In verse 21, it says, The Lord rewarded me for doing right. He restored me because of my innocence. Now remember, this, he, this is the old song he sang. For I have kept the ways of the Lord. I have not turned from my God to follow evil. I have followed all his regulations. I've never abandoned his decrees. I'm blameless before God. I've kept myself from sin. The Lord rewarded me for doing right. He has seen my innocence. Now, when he was 15 or 20, I could see him singing this. I'm innocent. I ain't never done nothing. I've kept the ways of the Lord. I never turned my back on him. I've kept every decree. But let's remember his life since he wrote this song. Who is that lady bathing on that rooftop over there? <laughs> Bring her over here. This dude has sinned over and over. He killed his best friend to get his wife. He had an adulterous affair with this woman on top of the roof so the whole city could see it while his men were losing their first battle because he wasn't there. This dude's messed up a bit. But he's singing a new song. Because back then it was, I'm innocent, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. So what is the freshness? 
even though I have messed up there, 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 and there. Lord, I've kept your ways. Lord, I've never fallen from you. I've not turned from you. I have followed all the regulations. You know what he's remembering? How he got turned around. Because when he realized what he did, we read the passages of repentance. And the worst thing that we do in life in trying to sing a new song is we think that we're not worthy to sing a song of innocence because of what you've done. And the father's like, let me remind you why I sent my son to you. He washed you as white as snow. When I see you, I don't see your sin anymore. I see my son's blood. So no matter what you've done, you can sing a song of how innocent you are. Not on your accord, but because of the sons. And when you sing that song, you realize God looks at you in a fresh, innocent way. Who, and you have become worthy of his love and his passion and his justice. Because we always think I'm not worthy of it. I've done too much. You know why you got to sing this song again? Because you need to remember, he has made you unto righteousness. I don't know about you, but that makes me want to sing that particular passage like every day. Like I want to wake up going, the Lord rewarded me, rewarded me for doing right. I can't even say it. <laughs> the Lord rewarded me for doing right. He restored me. I'm innocent. I might have to sing that like four or five hundred times. But like we've got to sing that song again. Remember who God sees you as. And some may think that that's a little arrogant. Like, who does David think he is? God rewarded me for doing right. Well, look at what we read in 2 Timothy 2.21. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for, utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you will be ready for the master to use you for every good work. But look at the first few. If you keep yourself pure. What did David said? He rewarded me for doing right. He rewarded me for keeping myself pure. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for use. Sing that again. God, thank you for seeing me for who I am because of what I have kept. And some of us, the only song we sing is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, forgive me, forgive me, look what I've done, I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed, and God's like, I get it. So can you start singing what you have done? Of what you have kept? And maybe when you start singing what you have kept, it'll open your eyes to what you haven't. And then when you start keeping that, it makes you even more usable. Because I don't know about you, but when I go eat somewhere, I don't want to use a dirty fork. I want that thing, I want, I want my, my reflection in that thing. That's literally what God wants, a mirror image of himself in the earth residing in you. And he says, if you keep your fort clean, I'll use it to feed my sheep. I didn't even plan to say that. Thank you. 
Gosh, this is good stuff. Remember what he did? Remember how he viewed you in your greatest day and bring freshness to that old song. And in verse 26, it says this. To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. To those with integrity, you show integrity. To the pure, you show yourself pure. But to the crooked, you show yourself shrewd. You rescue the humble, but your eyes watch the proud and humiliate them. I love that about God. He's like, you are what you get. And I'll give you what you are. You want to be proud? That's fine. I'm going to humiliate you. You, you want it. He's saying, you're telling God what you want by how you are. Oh, Lord, you are my lamp. The Lord lights up my darkness. In your strength, I can crush an army. With my God, I can scale any wall. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me show you what this is in another scripture, Matthew 7, 2. You will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. Sing that again and realize that I only get what I am. If I want your rescue, I have to be what you want. And this scripture just told me that the humble get rescued. So don't expect rescue if you cannot submit your pride. You know what pride is? You're going to everything before you get prostrate before God. You know what pride is? Not wanting to admit what you've done because you want to validate it. And God's like, that's fine if you do that, but just realize if you're going to do that, I can't do anything. Why? Because he says, I've sent my son. I, he got the authorities of, from death, hell, and the grave, and he put the authority back in your hand, people of God. Adam lost it. Now you get it because I've sent my son, the second Adam, and you now have the authority on this earth. So if you want me to rescue you, I'm waiting on your decision because that's how God designed it. Think about it. He created everything and says, Adam, you name it. Adam, you do it. Adam, don't eat of that tree. And then when they did it, this is a whole other message, but Eve ate and they didn't realize they were naked until Adam did. Just ponder on that this New Year's Eve. <laughs> but he's like, where are you? That was the first thing God did. Where, where are you? God gave all the authority to man, and they lost it. And now we've got it back. Remember the teachings of Jesus on the boat? He's like, why y'all scared? Watch this. Hey, just shut up, storm. And it stopped. Peace be still is Hebrew for shut up. <laughs> he says, what you get, you're getting what you are. Think about the, the, the mustard seed faith. Faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains. But if you want to cast out demons, you have to have more than just mustard seed faith. You see, the church always talks about all you need is mustard seed faith. That is not what the passage is saying. It's saying mustard seed faith can do this. But, it, but if you want to do this, you've got to be this. A lifestyle of prayer and fasting. 
Your mustard seed faith is not going to cast out demons out your life. It takes more. Stop living on a false gospel that all you need is a little bit of faith. A little bit of faith can do a lot of things. But there will be more action on your part to accomplish even greater. You see, we, we've We've embraced this false gospel of Jesus will do it and Jesus is saving. Like has, I mean, that's, that's true, but like Jesus is going to do everything and, and, and I'm not going to have to play any part in this and, 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 and God will take care of me. And God's like, no, 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 you get what you are. And he says, and I love you so much then I'm going to give you this and you can sing that song as often as you want. But I haven't heard you sing it in a long time. And David's like, I'm in my worst day, my weakest day, as far as I'm concerned. These people have rebelled against me. My own son turned against me. I've experienced all this junk. So let me just sing the song one more time. Let's look at verse 31. God's way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove true. He's a shield for all who look to him for protection. For who is God except the Lord? Who but our God is a solid rock? God is my strong fortress and he makes my way perfect. He's singing again. He protects me. He's my rock. He's my shield. He makes my way perfect. And when he's starting to do that, his trust is building again. He's singing a new, fresh song by singing that again. He's like, I sang that before and it proved to be true. So let me sing it now with all I've gone through. That rhymed. <laughs> and in verse 34, he says, He makes me as sure-footed as a deer, enabling me to stand on mountain heights. You ever notice how a deer, they don't just walk, they just they skip from place to place? Y'all want me to do my impression of a deer? No, I ain't going to do that. <laughs> no, no, no. I rebuke, I rebuke you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're fired. Yeah. <laughs> you ever notice how a deer just seems to skip from place to place? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not singing that again. You want to know why they do that? Because there's... <laughs> I need my prayer warriors praying against that. You want to know why they do that? Because they're sure of their footing. They have complete confidence, except for when they're on the road at 1131 at night, <laughs> that, <laughs> that they, 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 and they're going to land right where they need to to get the next spring. And God says, sing that again. Well, sing what again? God, you've given me the skill, the gift, and all that I need to work through all my challenges, and I'm going to believe it, that I'm flat-footed on the firm foundation, and I can do everything that I need to do, and I don't need to worry about it. I don't need to wait. I'm just going to move forward because, God, you've equipped me. I'll sing that song again. I'm as short-footed as a deer. If you come to dinner tonight, you might see an impression. <laughs> Verse 35. Did not go as well as I thought that was going to go. <laughs> Man, this is, this is, this is, 
Like, isn't the word so powerful? He trains my hand for battle. He strengthens my arm to draw a bronze bow. You have given me your shield of victory. You help. Your help has made me great. You have made a wide path for my feet to keep them from slipping. I chased uh, chased my enemies, destroyed them. I did not stop until they were all conquered. I consumed them. I struck them down so they did not get up. They fell beneath my feet. You have armed me with strength for the battle. You have subdued my enemies under my feet. Do you see what he's doing? He has won and won and won and won. And every single victory, he says, you did that. You gave it to me. You made it possible. You've trained me. You've given me. You've made me. You arm me. I'm going to sing that again. Because you may be coming up to a place where 20 and 20 may be your best year, but oftentimes best years or best times or best seasons are on the other side of your biggest battle. And when we see the biggest battle, we get scared and we say and we pray, God, would you, would you, would you? And sometimes you need to stop asking God and you need to start singing again what He's already made you well equipped to handle. Not God, would you, but God, thank you. You have made me, you have given me, you have prepared me, and I don't care how big this giant looks, I know that you're beside me, you're, 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 you're equipped me, you've given me all I need, and I'm moving forward in this. I'll sing that song all day. But it's hard to sing it in the moment. So you got to remember, he equipped me last time. My God's faithful. He's going to equip me this time. 41. This is a long song. This is like one of those 12-minute tracks. You placed my foot on their necks. I've destroyed all who hated me. They looked for help, but no one came to the rescue. They even cried to the Lord, but he refused to answer. I ground them as fine as the dust of the earth. I trampled them in the gutter like dirt. You gave me victory over my accusers. You preserved me as a ruler over nations. People I don't even know now serve me. People I don't even know now serve me. I can relate to that. Because, you know, the way... We have built this church is we never want to make this church about a hierarchy type thing where Pastor Kyle's above. That's not how we want to do that. But something happened in the past couple months that just touched my heart in such a profound way. I found out that the prayer team got together, found some people, and they developed an intercessory team specifically that intercedes for me. And someone came to me last week, and they're in the, in the middle of this room. Don't worry, this is a compliment. They say, is everything okay? You look bothered. And the truth was, I wasn't bothered. You just hadn't seen me that peaceful. Because if you know Kyle, like my normal, hey, my normal posture is, But they just saw me kind of, like literally I've had this conversation so many times this week. Like, what are you doing with all this time off? Because we're not having groups and gatherings and all these things in the last two weeks of the year. And and I'm just like, relaxing. 
Like last night, I felt so weird because all I did was I sat on my couch. <laughs> I, I <laughs> yeah, like I, I, I've, I've, I lost that. And let me just sing it again. People I don't even know are serving me. Now, I know these people, but I didn't know they were doing that. But what if we could be a church and a people that began to serve each other when they didn't even know it? Praying over each other's needs and, and meeting needs with people not knowing it. Like, what if we became that kind of a family where stuff was getting met because you've got, like, tons of people praying on your behalf and breaking through the walls of heaven to earth and you hadn't even lifted a finger. Verse 45, foreign nations cringe before me. I am sick and tired of churches complaining about the enemies and spirits around them. Build a house where the enemy cringes at your house. I don't know what that was. That was, that was the deer. That was the deer. <laughs> Woo. That's a deer that got hit by the car. <laughs> um, where am I at? Verse 45, Lord, forgive me. Foreign nations cringe before me. As soon as they hear of me, they submit. Wouldn't you love that when you walk into a room that demons feared and tremble because they didn't see you? They saw the light that comes from you because you were immersed in God? They all lose the courage and come trembling from their strongholds. I see a day where there's that kind of influence from the people in this house. That you understand your authority in Christ to such a degree that you no longer have to worry about a fight with a demon because you walk into the room, they flee. Right. Remember what demons did when Jesus walked in? They begged him for mercy. Can you, that, that can and is supposed to be our reality. You know how they, they flee? I'm not talking about you walk into a room and they manifest and you see this thing that starts to tremble. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an anointing of the disciples and the apostles where they walked in and they were like, you cripple, get up. The moment he got up, the thing that was keeping him down fleed and trembled. Like you go into places where people have an addiction and the thing that has the addiction on the person when, they, when it sees you, it trembles and it gets the heck out. And then you've got time to minister and get that person to a whole state of being in Christ while they are gone. Because when you leave, it's probably coming back. Because what we don't understand is windows of ministry time is when you walk into a room with such authority that the thing troubling the thing that you're about to minister to leaves and you have a window of opportunity. Think about it. All these people in the Bible, everyone tried to help them. But for some reason when Jesus walked up, when he spoke it, it was done because there was no interference. Brings a whole new perspective on healing ministry, doesn't it? You know how we can have the best healing ministry? We start to sing the song again and walk in who we are. Hmm. David knew that the throne belonged to God. And then what, it didn't matter if it was his enemies or his own people accusing him. He's, he says, God, you preserve what's yours. And my Bible says that he has made me a priest. 
and he is the king of kings, and he has made me that king. And if I am his, and what I reign is his, he's going to do everything he can to preserve that throne. So be humble to that and say, God, everything is yours. And the last few verses, and I'm going to close it up. Verses 40, 47 through 50. The Lord lives. Praise to my rock. May God, the rock of my salvation, be exalted. He is the God who pays back those who harm me. He brings down the nations under me, and he delivers me from my enemies. You hold me safe beyond the reach of my enemies. You save me from violent opponents. For this, O Lord, I'll praise you among the nations, and I will sing praises to your name. After all this remembering, he says, none of this was my victory. Goliath the enemies of Israel, my own. He says, none of it was mine, God. It's all yours. Sometimes singing a new song is singing a praise song of victory and remembering it wasn't yours. It was his. You just got the benefits of it because he's that good. Because the reason you pressed through and the reason you fought through and the reason that you slayed the giant, the giant was because everything that he gave you to do it. So you know what, God? I may have been the one to pull back the bow that I couldn't pull without your strength. I may have been the one to sling the stone when I didn't know how to sling a stone. I may have been the one to call the strategy to defeat this army when I'm not a strategist. So God, even though I did it, and I was your hands and feet, you get the victory. And watch how he ends this whole song in verse 51. You give great victories to your king. You show unveiling love to your anointed, to David and all his descendants forever. And if you remember what I taught you last week, Jesus was a descendant of King David. And through Jesus, we were adopted sons and daughters into that lineage of kings. You are the descendants of King David. And you know what the descendants of David get? He says, he'll show you unveiling love. He'll show you great victories. And he has called you anointed. So going into 2020, let's sing this song again. And let's believe it and give all glory to God.